1: How's it, everyone? Welcome back to our second roundtable episode. On the rectangle table. We know. We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on a lot of stuff. A lot of people out there had a bunch of good ideas after the last roundtable episode about things we could do, things we could implement. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to do some of them, bring on other people from the team, um, bring on maybe some of the guests. Yeah. Get an actual roundtable, as you mentioned. <laughs> uh obviously now is not the time to be implementing a lot of stuff, but this is a new series for us. It was very popular last time. We're almost certainly going to keep doing it, and as you know, we're always improving uh, our content. This show will be no different. Yeah, and a big thanks to everyone that comments on Game nights,
2: people that have nice, awesome things to say, as well as comment on what's happening in the game. It's what fuels these episodes. So, this week, we are going to be talking about, of course, the episode that we just released yesterday. Yeah, or not I mean, yesterday, a few days ago, whenever this comes it's out. It's
1: yesterday for us, but uh, like four or five days ago for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar with the, what the Roundtable episodes are, This is going to be us talking about or responding to the most asked questions or comments or whatever that are on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, There's rules mistakes that uh, we made or or stuff we didn't explain very well, things like that. Things we skipped over, all that good stuff. Yeah. Speaking of which, before we get started, I wanted to say um, we've been getting a a number of questions through that process about the COVID-19 crisis, uh, how it's affecting us, our channel, our content, things like our recent Kickstarter as well. I um, wanted to note that the last couple of pieces of content we've put out, the last couple of episodes of the podcast, Game Nights, were recorded a long time ago. This Game Nights episode, the Attack of the Fans episode, was recorded in October. Yes. Uh, because of Acoria and the Commander product, we've been backlogging a lot of stuff getting ready, so we haven't actually had a chance to address COVID 19 and all of that. We're going to talk about that near the end of this episode though. Yep. So stay tuned if you want to hear about that stuff. Uh, but let's get right into it. The episode that
2: we are discussing today on the Game Nights Roundtable is the attack of the fans. Dun, dun,
1: dun. dun, or, dun, dun,
0: dun, dun. Yeah, that, that's better. <laughs> that's better. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, okay, here's a little inside thing to start stuff off. We briefly laughed about, we didn't actually consider, but we. Quote unquote, considered naming the episode The Phantom Menace. Yes, for all of you Star Wars Episode <laughs> 1 fans out there. That was Murph's contribution, which all we all laughed at. You. Yeah, <laughs> we went with Attack of the Fans. Um, let's start with some rule stuff. Oh, uh, warning spoilers ahead. It's impossible to talk about the episode in this manner without <laughs> spoiling it. So if you haven't seen Game Night's Attack of the Fans yet, stop this video, go watch it. Come back. Otherwise, we're going to ruin the whole thing for you. Yeah, and uh, hold your questions not in the comments because maybe we'll answer them. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, one other thing we always like to say here. If we bring up your comment and we refute it or disagree with it or clarify some things, it's not be- we're not calling anybody stupid. The questions are all good questions. In fact, I like to say if we're getting a question a lot, even if we didn't me- misrepresent it or make an error ourselves in the show we did make an error in explaining it obviously we didn't anticipate that there was be a misunderstanding or we didn't we didn't articulate or communicate things right. well well enough so even the questions where we're like no we did it right i still take responsibility in that we explained it poorly so yep. this is a good chance for us to clarify the some question stuff. wouldn't be asked if there wasn't a good reason to ask it so this first one is the one we were asked the most i think um it's Rurikthar and Commander damage. So, a lot of people were confused. They thought, hey, Millie, she's taking 24 damage off the Rurik Thar trigger. Uh, I will tap four mana and
2: I will play Thran Dynamo. So, even though it's my Rurik Thar, it still triggers. I'll take six damage, I'll go to 20.
3: This is going to hurt. I'm going to cast Cunning Evasion.
2: That'll trigger Rurikthar, Thar, and you will take six damage. Smash!
1: So much damage. Shouldn't she be dead? Because if you take 21 commander damage, you die. So Rurikthar Thar has a trigger that deals six damage to a player if they cast a non-creature spell. So this is... Uh, A common misconception with commander damage. A lot of commanders have ways to deal damage outside of
2: combat. Eureko does too. Yeah, Eureko does as well. But commander damage is specifically tied to combat damage by that commander. That's why you have Voltron commanders. That's how they work is they're doing combat
1: damage. And Rurik is a triggered ability. Right. So similar to Nekusar, Yuriko except when they're actually attacking and hitting a player through combat damage, none of that other damage is considered combat damage. It's just regular damage. Yeah, and we
2: actually, this is something that we always talk about on the show, is trying to clarify that. Because it's like, what happens if I steal the Rurik Thar like I did and then hit someone with it? Does that count as my commander damage or theirs? And so there's a lot of different complications with that. But yeah, so that's obviously a very common question.
1: Uh, Just to answer that question, the commander damage stays with the card. So if Jimmy hits somebody with the Rurik Thar, it's commander damage the same as if Matthew hit somebody with the Rurik Thar. Uh, if it's combat damage, again. Okay. All right, uh, Yuriko and commander
2: tax. This one came up a bunch. People were wondering why Millie didn't have to pay extra every time she ninjutsued
3: out Yuriko from the command zone. I'm going to do something unusual. Ooh, oh, we like okay. it. I'm going to play my commander.
1: Like, just cast
3: her? I'm just gonna cast
1: her. I didn't even know you could do that with Eureka.
3: I'm full of
0: surprises. <laughs>
2: um, and that, the reason is that Yuriko is one of the very special commanders in that they have an alternate casting cost that lets them be cheated onto the battlefield basically and never having to pay the extra for commander tax. Another similar commander is Yeah. who has, you can do four mana to it, just flash it or put it on the battlefield without having to pay extra.
1: Yeah, specifically at one point, Millie plays Eureka, casts mm-hmm. Yuriko, and she even says, this is abnormal, what I'm gonna do it and yuriko had already been on the battlefield and died and so a lot of people were like well shouldn't she have to pay five for yuriko commander tax only cares about how many times you've cast your commander from the command zone yuriko had never been cast from the command zone in the game because she had been ninjutsued onto the battlefield right. which is not the same as casting it so commander tax did not apply to her even casting it out of the command zone that time And then, of course, like Jimmy said, anytime she ninjutsus it, there's no commander tax applied to ninjutsu. That's an activated ability, has a cost, and one of the reasons Yuriko is so, so good and and kind of broken is (laughs) because you just never have to pay commander tax on her, really, because you're ninjutsuing her out all the time. Like a real ninja. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, A lot of people ask this one, too. Why didn't Josh steal stuff before the Willbreaker got
2: Pongified? Right, so Josh plays Willbreaker in the early turns in the game. I know just how powerful this card is. I have a Pongify removal spell in my hand, so I point it at the thing, and people are like, Josh, why didn't you steal some stuff before it got Pongified? And because that Willbreaker is too scary, I'm sorry, Josh, I'm gonna tap one, cast Pongify, targeting your Willbreaker. Ah,
1: it's going to die. So I'm gonna get a what? Two- 3 3 green ape creature. I'm fine with that So, yeah, the thing is Will Breaker, and we covered this later in the episode So maybe people were commenting before they got to the point That happens that quite we a explained lot, it. so
2: no fault there, guys
1: Yeah, um but when Willbreaker dies, it says on the card, then anything that you've stolen through willbreaker just goes back to the owner's control. So I felt it was just kind of pointless to steal things there. People were like, why didn't you take Yuriko or whatever? Yeah. Because it's just going to immediately, like, steal it. Pongify resolves. Goes back. Yeah. That's just creating editing issues for everybody. So there was no reason to really do that kind of thing. I can see an argument where sometimes you might want to do this, though, because it will give summoning sickness to that creature. So let's say Jimmy had, like, a big creature that... I didn't want to attack then maybe I could steal it and then I would have it and then it would go back to Jimmy but now I would have summoning sickness right Yeah uh, another thing that might have come up
2: it's like let's say the mana elf uh, that could tap for uh, mana yeah. and Josh has like anger in the graveyard on the mountain he could steal it tap it and when it comes back to me it's tapped so you could there were there are certain scenarios where stealing it would have actually mattered
1: Yeah but in that particular case just looked around and said uh eh it's not worth it for the post-production headaches that it will cause, 'cause
2: because it won't actually do anything in the game, yeah. Okay, this one came up quite a bit. Why did Jimmy not use his Meteor Golem on Rurik Thar? Uh, this is an interesting one. This is, I think, right before the Omniscience play?
1: Yeah, let's set the stage here. So, Jimmy has, um, Omniscience out, and Vidal Millie has promised not to counter anything during his turn, Mm because of the deal they made. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it goes to Millie's turn and she goes to cast Coastal Breach. Now, we learn later that Jimmy has a Pact of Negation in hand because he uses it uh, later on, on to stun. or something. A, yeah, Atrada. But we know he's got one at this point. However, he's at six life and he has taken control of Matthew's Rurik Thar. So if he Pact of Negations the Coastal Breach, he'll die to the Rurik Thar trigger. So he can't do that. Now, a lot of people in the comments were like, you have Vidalcanori and Omniscience. And we also know you have Meteor Golem. Mm hmm. Uh, due to it being played earlier or, or later, yeah, whatever.
2: This is the second time I think I was going to play it in this
1: game. So everyone's like, why don't you just Meteor Golem, Rurik Thar? Now it's not there, then you can Pact of Negation, Coastal Breach, and now you've still got Omniscience and Vidalkin Orri, and you'll be fine. I will also cast a Meteor Golem.
2: When it enters the battlefield, I will target Thrasios to blow that up.
1: Okay, Thrasios will die almost made it back to my hand.
3: So close. This is
1: funny because on the day we're shooting it, this actually came up. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy, you were the one that was like, oh, I can't do that because... Uh, Unfortunately, meter golem is
2: only things that your opponents control.
1: So I remember on the day, he was like, dang it, I can't actually do this.
2: Uh, yeah, I put myself in a real sticky situation. And I think the real mistake here is, like, should I have taken the Rurik Thar earlier? Considering Rurik Thar doesn't care who casts the non-creature spell, it still does the damage to them.
1: But at that point, you took Rurikthar. Thar. You didn't yeah. know all the cards in everybody's hand that we know at this point, right? So it would have been hard to predict. yeah. So, unfortunately,
2: I couldn't have cast my own Meteor Golem to kill my own thing because it was under my control. My opponents didn't control it. So, at the end of the day, I just kind of uh, I bamboozled myself.
1: Who would have thought that the fact that Meteor Golem can't hit your own stuff would basically cause you not to win that game? Yeah. Because I think <laughs> I think if you did that play, if it was legal and you could do it, you probably run away with the victory, having, being basically at that point unopposed with Omniscience and vidalcanoria In full control, yeah. Yeah, and tons of cards in your hand. But the Rurik was basically the only thing that kept you in check stopping you from casting a lot of ah, your spells. Hurt, Jimmy, spells, <laughs> 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 enchantment, bad. bad. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that is an interesting line. A lot of people saw it. We saw it on the day, too. But unfortunately, Meteor Golem just has that one pesky, uh, two pesky words, opponent yeah. controls. All right. Oh, uh, this next one. There is a lot of equipment running around this game, and pre- creatures taking,
2: uh, being given to other people, are stolen by other players. And people were wondering when you stole the Soul of the Harvest, it had a lock on Warhammer attached to it, but the Warhammer still belongs to Matthew. It just comes along with the creature when you steal it. So why do you gain the life? Because earlier. Matthew also had a Sword of Light and Shadow on that I used, and he was able to return a creature from his graveyard because of the text on the card.
1: So, how does that work, Josh? Uh, then I will go to combat, and I will swing at you, Matthew, with those five creatures.
2: I have no blockers, so I take 17 one two.
1: damage. Take 17 damage. Go to 18, and I gain nine. Oh. Yeah, super interesting, right? Because we have multiple creatures getting stolen with equipment. With equipment, yeah. But the equipment's still owned by the original owner, even though the creature's not and I understand why this gets totally confusing. So Loxodon Warhammer is a little different than Sword of Light and Shadow. Mm-hmm. Because Loxodon Warhammer and this is also weird because this is a f- one of the few cards in Magic that they've sort of errated right. post fact. So the original copies of a Locksodon Warhammer don't give the creature lifelink, but older or newer copies do. do. The difference here is that Locks on Warhammer gives lifelink to the creature. Mm-hmm. So, Soul of the Harvest now has lifelink. When I steal it, I control Soul of the Harvest even though Matthew controls the Locks on Warhammer. But the Warhammer itself is not gaining the life. It's giving the life gain ability to the creature, which I control. So, totally confusing, totally understand. There's an old card called Spirit Link, mm-hmm. which lifelink is based off of. And... The fact that early magic has these cards that are sort of similar to lifelink but aren't the exact same does cause a lot of confusion. Spirit Link uses the stack where lifelink does not, yeah. It's very strange, yeah. So, anyway, um, you'll have to you, you really need to google the rules to understand the differences between those two things. And locks on Warhammer itself is a weird case because it used to have basically what Spirit Link is, yeah, and now has lifelink, but. The gist of it is if something gives the creature an ability, then the controller of that creature gets it. But if yeah. but the Sword of Light and Shadow doesn't do that. And we sometimes will
2: show, you know, on the creature card in game nights we'll add the text to it. That's because that's what's actually happening. If you were playing on Arena or MTGO, the card itself, the creature that was equipped, would save lifelink on it because The equipment Sword of Light and Shadow, just read the text. It has a little bit different stuff. The ability that happens when you hit with it is something that's attached to the sword as opposed to the creature.
1: And the Sword of Light and Shadow, confusingly, does give protection Protection, to the creature. So it has. Sort of both things going on. Yeah, totally interesting. I understand why it's confusing. But 25 that, years of magic leads to things like this. So. <laughs> that is the way it worked. Okay, here's a mistake that um, is real, and I actually, we actually did make a rules mistake here. I made a rules mistake. So at the end no, of the No, Josh, g- we made the rules yeah. mistake. <laughs> it's a group effort. <laughs> at the end of the game, uh, on the very last turn, or the second to last turn, when I'm stealing all the stuff from Matthew, I'm using Fate Stitcher to untap his creatures, and then that triggers Will Breaker, so I steal them, and then I'm using another effect to untap the Fate Stitcher to do it again. Problem is, Fate Stitcher had Lightning Greaves on it at the time, which gives it Shroud. Then I'm gonna tap the Market Festival land, so that's four mana, I'll play a Thousand Year Elixir. And then I will pay one to untap the Fate Stitcher. And then I will tap the Fate Stitcher to gain control of the land War Elves. Here you are. Thank you. Yes, and that means that it's
2: different than Hexproof. Hexproof means it can't be the target of spells and abilities your opponents control. Shroud means that you can't
1: even target it with stuff. So Josh, untapping it would have technically been an illegal play. Yeah, Shroud prevents all players from targeting the creature, even myself, in which case I can't be untapping it. This is a small mistake. A lot of people made a big deal about it, but I had a bunch of creatures out, like Tim at the time, and because Lightning Greaves has an equipped cost of zero, it's fine to slide the Greaves to another creature, Mm -hmm. then target this... Fate Stitcher, do all the stuff, then slide the Greaves back. So this does actually affect the game. But yes, we did mip- misrepresent how the rules work in that instance. And also notably, Matthew did not
2: have any removal. Yeah. And we know that because he's going to draw his last card. And you hear him say, I'm, I'm just looking for one thing to get rid of the Will Breaker. So it wouldn't have actually mattered if, if for instance, if it was all four of us at the table and someone had a removal spell in their hand, we may not have had this mistake because someone had been like, hold on, hold on, I need to remove that Fate Stitcher.
1: But that has Shroud. Wait, you can't even target yeah. it. So. so what they do is they wait for you to move the Lightning Greaves and then once you have, they go, ha-ha, boom, kill yeah. the creature now. Although, if if Matthew had a removal spell, he's going to use it on a Willbreaker. breaker yeah. <laughs> not Face Stitcher. So, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to pause here because I have a funny story about Cassius. So, we're at uh, GP Vegas at the time. This is either last year or the year before. So, well, last year was Magic Fest, right? Yeah. And he <laughs> is playing Locust God. And he's got, like, a Lightning <laughs> Greaves. And I forget what he wants to do, but he wants to cast an aura on his Locust God. And... and I'm like, uh, you got lightning grooves on it, you can't do it. And He's like, oh, and I'm like, you could just slide the lightning grooves over to <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> this other creature, and then you can do it. He's like, okay, so I'll slide the lightning grooves over, and then I'll cast, you know, whatever it was. And yeah. I go, hold on, I'll capsize your your locus god, and he just just gave. He still is mad about it to this day, but he just looked at me with like daggers. He was yeah. like, right. everybody else at the table was like, well, oh, Josh, what? Oh, jeez, bro. <laughs> you think I know Cassius well? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean,
2: knowing Cassius too, that would have been an instant concede a, a moment <laughs> yeah. as well, potentially, yeah, it, right? No, it, it was. It he was starts- like, He's like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) He had to go go catch a plane too, but he was not right, 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 right. It's like that's that's how you wanted to end my Vegas trip, Josh. All right, I see how it is.
4: (laughs) All
1: Um, right, here's another mistake that I made, and this is more of a decision-based mistake than a rules mistake. Right. So there's a moment again near the end of the game where um, Matthew attacks me. It's right after Millie has made me use all my activations on my stuff, so I don't can't actually steal anything, quote unquote. I think I can't steal anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he attacks me. And I use a Yavamaya Hollow on my Commander Ludovic and block so that Ludovic gets regenerate. I have a nine-six and a four-through okay. each at you. I will block the nine-six with Ludovic and then I will regenerate it with Yavamaya Hollow. Alright. So I'll take five and four, nine total. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I go down to five. Yikes. And I go up to thirty-five. And then <laughs> A lot of people correctly pointed out, well, Josh, Yevamaya Hollow is an activated ability. You could target that at Soul of the Harvest and steal Matthew's creature rather than block with your Ludovic and regenerate it. And you know what? You're 100% right. I didn't see that line. I was thinking of... I wasn't thinking of Yavimaya Hollow being able to target my opponent's creatures, right? It gives Regenerate. Why would you ever want to do that? Yeah, that might actually have you reconsider some of the lands you put in your deck, right? If you're yeah. looking at them. Cause no, I it- mean, I, yeah, I, I'm sure I put it in there at the time thinking, like, I could use this. Right. But Willbreaker's one card in the deck. It's not like... It just happens to be one of the best cards, of course. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about these
2: cards is that very we're so used to cards that that usually only target your own stuff or can't target or can only target your opponent's stuff. Like for instance, the Meteor Golem, that these are really easy slip ups to make because again, you're looking at the ta- at that point you're looking at a table of like way more cards than everyone else. It's kind of hard to be like, oh right, this can do this there when you've car- sort of already developed a plan in your head. I think this
1: might be just a hole in my own game too because this is similar to the. Um, Alter of Dementia moment in the Theros game, where in my brain, I just compartmentalized Alter of Dementia to being a card that I used to mill myself. Yeah. And I didn't think of it as a... Like, I just sort of pushed it aside when it wasn't useful anymore, and kind of like... You know, your brain naturally wants to, like, narrow your complicated board down into the things that matter to you. Mm -hmm. And so you just compartmentalize the stuff incorrectly, and that bit me in the Theros game. Um, And... Then this game didn't bite me, obviously, because it ended up working out okay and I won. But yeah, I think it's something in my own game that I need to like solve or look at, which is this to like, you know, rethink all my car Am I sure I can't use that for this? Yeah, maybe she had a little notepad. Write down, <laughs> like, all right, I can use this now. <laughs> uh, there was one rules c- clarification I wanted to make here. A few people um, talked about the fact that regenerate is worded a little strangely here. And they thought I... should. Because of Trample on Soul of the Harvest, which was like a 9-6. Yeah. So I I block with Ludovic. It's a 1-4. Give it regeneration. It's blocking the 9-6. A lot of people were like, well, regeneration says that it removes it from combat. So Mm -hmm. you should take the full 9 damage from the Soul of the Harvest because it has Trample. However, the way the regenerate works is that it prevents the damage and then removes it from combat. So the damage has to be dealt to it. So that four damage is gone, so we did do the damage correctly, yeah, regenerates a really weird mechanic yeah. because it taps the creature and then removes it's it's got a whole lot like it's there's a lot to it basically it. puts the shield on it that then when the damage happens, that stuff happens. it yeah. doesn't tap it when you give it regenerate right it taps it when the it, shield is activated, basically super weird, anyway, uh, we did clarify that with uh, some judge people because I was like, did we get that wrong, but no, it's correct um Thank goodness. yeah, okay um. So, again, that last one was more of a decision-based mistake than a rules mistake. It was maybe a combination of both. We do have some other decision-based mistakes that both of us made Mm -hmm. in the game. Coming up, we're going to talk about those, but we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors.
4: You can host the best backyard barbecue. You find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around.
5: The cat
2: All right, welcome back to the roundtable, the Game Nights roundtable, for the fan, Attack of the Fans episode. Let's talk about some mistakes that Josh and I both made that. In retrospect, looking back, maybe we could have played the game a little differently. The first one I think a lot of people mentioned is my Strip Mine. So I have a Strip Mine in the deck. that is on the battlefield, and there are lots of very juicy targets. Josh has a guy's cradle. He's got a bounce lane with a market festival line that he can tap and untap and just generate tons and tons of mana. So people were wondering, why didn't you use this on one of those lands immediately? Why didn't you actually just, you know, instead of holding back and waiting and waiting and waiting until right before I died to use it, why not use it earlier? On the trigger, because I'm probably dying, I'm going to use my Strip Mine
1: on Josh's Guy's Cradle. Guy's Cradle, down. Yeah, there's also a spawning pool that Millie has. Right. At one point, attacks. I don't remember if she attacks you, but any attack is bad for you just because the top of the deck could deal you a ton of damage, although I think Fight at that point out. you had been forced to tap Strip Mine, so on the attack you couldn't have, but maybe yeah, beforehand. One, yeah. A lot of juicy targets, yeah. Do you want to talk through what you thinking was?
2: Well, I, for me, I think looking at my hand and looking at what I wanted to do, I needed as much mana as possible uh, because I was trying to land Omniscience, and other. And like you could tell by the end of the game every time I had to pay a little extra mana to do something, that Omniscience play was gone. That was, in my mind, the only key to my victory, Whereas, like, I don't really care if Josh makes infinite mana and does stuff. The only thing that matters to me on Josh's board is the fact that he can double ping me, for an example. Right. Like, that matters way more than the guy's Cradle. So, for me, I think I was just trying to hold off and wait until I actually needed to use it. Because um, I don't think, in, looking
1: at my hand and looking at what I had, I wasn't worried about dealing with you. Should I be able to get back to that point? I would say also the fact that I had a Market Festival on a Bounce Land, which makes four mana. And a guy's Cradle, which basically the most I could ever tap for in that game was four mana. Yeah. Made streamline less good because... Either one you take out, I still have the other one. Yeah, I think I think at that point, your value engine was so good that... I just I needed one out. land that tapped for a lot. The yeah. second one was redundant.
2: Yeah, not even just redundant. It's like you had more than enough man to do whatever you needed to do with. And maybe there is a case for me using it the moment I played it to set you back. And looking down the line, maybe that would have stopped one of your turns from being 100%. It could have been a 75% turn. Right. And
1: who knows how that would have panned out in the end, too. Hard to foresee exactly where everything's going to go at that time. True. Um, all right. Here's one. On the very last turn, <laughs> why not protect your Will Josh? So I steal a bunch of Matthew's creatures, I smack them, and I'm basically guaranteed going to be able to knock them out next turn, and I just pass the turn. I don't pass my Greaves from my Fate Stitcher to the Will which would give it Shroud, and since the one thing Matthew needed to draw was basically a removal spell for the Will that would have taken out that line of play. Past the turn, and on the end step, I will draw two cards again one for Ludovic and one for the monarch.
0: So, Josh can 100% kill me next turn. But the thing about Willbreaker is that if it dies, I can get all my stuff back. So, it all basically revolves around if I'm able to finally draw that answer
5: for Willbreaker.
1: Yeah, and maybe swung the game in Matthew's favor.
0: Yeah, I think
1: at the time. I was really worried about the Fate Stitcher the most sticking around because it was my engine, whereas Willbreaker was kind of my finisher. But Mm -hmm. I felt like any finisher will do. And worst-case scenario, if he removes stuff, I got the Meek Stone. It's not going to untap, so I'm not as worried about it. Whereas removing the Fate Stitcher, I was more scared of. Although, if he got a removal spell, then remove Fate Stitcher, and I kept all his creatures, I could still untap a couple of them with my artifacts and... I think I was calculating, and I couldn't quite kill him the next turn with the untappers I have. Because remember, Meekstone affects my creatures too. Right. It could have been un- incorrect. I do remember thinking about it and just deciding, like, listen, if he kills Willbreaker, gets his stuff back, I'm still fine. Whereas if he kills Fate Stitcher, it's a little bit more dicey in my mind at the time. Maybe not right. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Well, he didn't draw a removal spell, so that we know how that panned out. I mean, the worst <laughs> would have been drawing a board wipe. Yeah. In which case, that just shuts off everything, and then, you know, which was possible too, and and the Greaves couldn't protect against that anyway, so I guess maybe it doesn't matter. True.
3: Okay, I'm gonna use that one mana floating, tap this three, to play Damnation.
1: Ugh. Yuck. Boom. That hurts. You sure you don't want to wheel?
2: My hand's too good. Um, Uh. In response, I'm going to tap two, and I'll flash out Sensei's Divining Top. And use its ability. Top three cards. I'll put it like that, and then I'm going to activate Arcanus to draw three cards. Okay, uh, this one was definitely a mistake. So there was a board wipe, uh, and I had Arcanus the Omnipotent as out as well as a Sensei's Divining Top. And uh, instead, when the board wipe happens, obviously I want to use Arcanus to draw cards. So I use Arcanus to. Well, Please? first I use the top to look at the top three cards in my library, which I'm going to draw with Arcanus anyway, and then I draw them with Arcanus. So I don't know. <laughs> you just to see
1: what you were going to get before you did Yeah, it.
2: yeah. I think I think it was just more of a, I'm just going to do stuff, and not thinking it, like maybe taking, I don't know, two more seconds to stop and think about it. Um, so I did lose a bit of advantage there. I could have seen the next three cards after that. Um, I don't think it ultimately made a huge difference in this game, but it would have been a much better sequence to look at six cards potentially instead of just three.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah. it's It's obviously better to sequence it Draw the, draw the three, then look at the three. But yeah. these are things we do all the time in games. And, and you know, I think one thing with Jimmy and I both is, like, I made a few sequencing mistakes. There was one people, uh, a few people pointed out um, when I was doing the sort of tappy-untappy stuff, and I left myself, unfortunately, with three mana at mm-hmm. the end of the turn and couldn't activate Thrasios. When I, if I just had one more mana, I could have. And in my brain, I was had done the calculations, and I was going to have four left at the end. So I was like... Oh, I only have three in my pool. I guess I passed the turn. It's because I had missequenced sequenced the actions. You could have done it a little differently. What I needed to do was play Thrasios and then activate the guy's cradle because it activates for a little right. more in the middle of that sequence. And I didn't do it. And Anyway, to go back to what I was saying, Jimmy and I both have this where it's like, Eh, whatever, I messed it up. That is the way Magic goes. I'm not going to go back and redo it. I'm going to pass the turn and just live with the consequences of yeah. messing it up a little bit. You know, on minor plays like that, I think we'll often leave it in. That, to me, is more true to what Magic is and how we most of us play it than playing everything perfectly, because that's just not how games actually go most of the time. Even major plays, like when I tapped on my lands with Price of Glory in the battlefield. Yeah, you're yeah, like, oh, well. I could have been like, you know
2: what, guys, let me take that back. But I was like, this is, I did it. Let's just live with it. I got to fall
1: on the sword, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that, you know, one of the things Jimmy and I are trying to do with the show, and everybody here, is kind of show what we love about magic. And to me, like, that is one of the things I like about magic, that you do have to sort of think your stuff through and get it right. And when you get it wrong, it will cost you, and it yeah. should cost you. Yeah, Because should, that's absolutely. part of the fun of the game is when you, you know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, oh, yes. So. Okay, uh, here, yeah, this is a big one. Never make a deal with Jimmy, a lot of people commented. Come on now. <laughs> I make great deals. <laughs> I wanted to. I want to call this uh, this chapter heading. Let's break a deal. Let's break a deal. So this is the big ba, 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 political da. deal between Millie and Jimmy. I have a question. If I was to deal with it, what would I get?
3: I I can offer to deal with another problem.
2: Ooh, counterspell. Yeah, you do have counters in your deck. What if you give me immunity to counterspell for a turn? Wow. And I won't use anything that I'm casting free of counters on you.
3: Okay, if you protect me from the drake for one turn, I promise not to interfere with your next turn.
2: Okay, that's a pretty good deal. Fist bump? Fist bump. Okay.
3: I'm really glad that Jimmy agreed to the deal. I'm feeling good.
2: All right, so I'm gonna tap 345678910 10. I don't like this idea, whatever no. it is. I'm gonna play omniscience.
1: Oh, oh I don't no, like this idea at no. all. Oh.
3: I I made that deal. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes deals have Jimmy's to be sneaky. broken. That's this is doing. such an awkward position to be put in.
1: I know. I knew when he was roping into that deal, it was yeah. going to be bad.
3: I was thinking <laughs> everything, like, up to expropriate. <laughs> and I was sitting there being like, I think I'd be okay with it. The omniscience? With
1: Vidalcan <laughs> Oh, Oof. You want to lay out what the deal was? Yes. So, uh... This is a,
2: this is a classic Jimmy deal I that Millie, Millie walked right into. Don't do this and give me immunity for a turn. Um, she... You, you were like, I'll destroy this creature that's attacking you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, you know, you don't need to take this damage. And was like, yeah, I like that. I like that. And I kind of slide in the deal, like, just don't stop me from doing anything on my next turn.
1: You, she basically gives you immunity from counter spells on your turn.
2: Yeah. And I made it specific and because I knew what I had in my hand was an omniscience. <laughs> but I also wanted to downplay what it was because we all knew Millie had the counterspell, right? So it was kind of like, a, hey, just don't counter my stuff. Like, we all know you have it. Um, and I'll... I'll do you a solid. I'll throw you a bone right now instead. And Millie, you know, said yes. And she didn't want to take the five. She's at fifteen. Yeah, it's pretty low life total. Robic thar is running around the battlefield. That's just two triggers off of that. And her what? spell obviously her deck obviously has a lot of non-creature spells as well.
1: So, I, I love your little rice smile. Yeah. But I want to notice if anybody wants to go back and watch the episode, there's a funny part near the end of the deal where you're kind of like, okay, so and you're restating what the deal is. And you're trying to like say I mean, I knew what, what I was Yeah, playing. I won't use, I won't use the, uh, the thing that you don't counter against you. You don't want to say, I won't do anything against, against you. You, you yeah. just want to say, whatever you don't counter, I won't use it against you. Yeah, I'm trying to give her, I'm trying
2: to sweeten the pot as much as
1: possible without spoiling what it, what it is I'm about to you do. You don't want to say, whatever I cast off omniscience, I'm not going to use against yeah, you. You were the, trying to, like, create the correct wording through your lawyers that you would give you the loophole.
2: Yeah, because omniscience <laughs> isn't doing it. It's the yeah. cast off of omniscience. <laughs> and I think that's like a normal, because someone's like, oh, they're going to land a big... Scary creature. Yep, they're the Braids deck. Maybe they have a crazy Blightsteel Colossus right. or something. So, yeah, I don't want to get hit by that. Uh, so I don't know what Millie thought I was going to cast, but
1: probably she said all the way up to Expropriate. So yeah. she was, she thought it was going to be bad.
2: Yeah, and Expropriate, like maybe I would have like, t- you know, i have been like, I'll, I'll take your uh, the weakest permanent off your battlefield or something. You know, I would have done something in that case, and so I could see why Millie was like, okay, I can understand how this is going to benefit me because i've done this a lot of games too where it's like if i put myself and a friend ahead
1: then we can know that we can get rid of the other two people and then we can turn our guns towards each other so anyway so jimmy it goes to Jimmy's. she agrees she goes to jimmy's turn he plays the omniscience and we have this moment where she's like oh geez oh whoops <laughs> that's like, a good card i know i made that deal but i don't know if i need if i should go through with it maybe i do need to just counter it and she she thought about it for a little while and I, the interesting thing, because this is a um, something we only do sometimes on the show, but we put up a little graphic that was basically like, yeah. what do you think of this specific moment if you were Millie? Would you break the deal or would you keep your word? And... As you go through the comments, it's fairly evenly split. I'd say it's probably slightly on the side of keep your word, but it's not like 90% of people no, saying I, that. No,
2: it was very evenly split. Yeah. Going through the comments, I think a lot of people were like, I can't believe she kept her word. Please. I would break the deal 100%. I would break that deal immediately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and to be honest, had she broken the deal when in that moment, I don't think I would have actually been that upset because it is legitimately considered one of the most powerful cards ever, especially in Commander and especially in the kind of deck that I was running. So... I, understandably I know where she was coming from or where the commenters are coming from but I, I and me and a lot of commenters also respect Millie for still sticking to the deal
1: I I love watching that moment because Matthew's like some deals got to be broken you gotta break that deal <laughs> I'm just chuckling because I saw this coming like something bad. I was like when Jimmy makes this deal it's gonna be horrible yeah and something you're like sheepishly quiet you're not even really trying to talk her. you're not even putting any pressure like you can break your word for real you're just yeah. like I don't know. I don't know. We'd it's like... up to you.
2: I mean, you are still technically allowed to play the cards out of your hand because that's how the game of magic works. There's just another slice to it. I think Millie commented on Twitter uh, something along the lines of like, I'm not going to do something like that in front of thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, she
1: said on our Discord. Yeah. which she, you know, she, she was like, I'd be lying if I said that the fact that thousands and tens of thousands and potentially a million people are going to see this and, yeah. and that's not, you know.
2: That's not chill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the kind of thing. You would rather be known for having the sweet Yuriko deck instead of the person that broke a deal. about this thing, right? Like, there are things that become memorable. Like, I don't want to be memorable for always being mana-screwed, but that's how it ends up. I want to be memorable
1: for winning games, but, you know, that's just how it goes. Also, at the time, I think she pointed out, like, well, Rurik Thar is out, so you can only cast creatures. Yes. So Omniscience is, like, not as bad as always, because it doesn't say you can cast any card out of your hand. It says Mm -hmm. you can only cast creatures cards out of your hand, which is bad, but not, like, possibly it's not game-ending. And she ended up being right about that. So I think that gave just enough you know enough about, yeah. to it where she was like okay i did drop a like though so yeah was, was, <laughs> was just free at flash speed all right um so all in all everyone seems to love these fan episodes um we, we got a lot of positive response. Uh, one of the big ones was people loved the Rurik Thar voices.
0: <sighs> and
1: uh, a lot of people thought it was me doing the voices, but it was not. Uh, the voice acting for Rurik and Thar were done by two people. You can't do it by the same people person because it's two heads. Yeah, two heads. So it was Jake Boss and Josh Murphy, the two editors on Game Nights. Um, we're going to show a little video, video clip here because... We were in the other room, like working, All our whole team is, and you could just hear them from in on the studio. All the way
0: just down Just yelling
1: like ogre. I smash! SMASH!
0: <laughs> <laughs> just go!
3: <dead!" laughs> just the just silliest like, things. Anywhere you
1: are in the house, you could just hear it. Everyone's like, what's going on? So Ashlyn g- grabbed this clip of them doing the voice acting. So let's take a look at that.
0: Fred animal, bad. You take damage! Smash! Smash! Jimmy spelled bad! You spell bad! No not criter! You take six damage!
2: It's not a bad job. Not a bad job. Two <laughs> heads, two editors, and a lot of passion. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're gonna make it in this industry. I think they got it.
1: They had a lot of fun with it. I, they came out being like, oh, my voice, though, because yeah. like yelling like that is tough. Yep, yep, yep. So, that was
2: pretty cool. Uh, there was a lot of praise this time around for the card animations, and people don't actually know who made a lot of them. Only a couple of people commenters knew. It's actually our in-house editor, Sam Waldo. He does all of the animations, or the majority of them, and this time, you know, we're always trying to make them better and better, and a lot of people loved the Yuriko one, uh, and I love the Yuriko one especially because it had elements to it. Not only do you see Yuriko jumping in a frame, but when she hits the whole table, she does the same thing, zips in and out, and then the life totals get changed. So there's a lot of like different parts to that card that gave the game extra life. Okay, and then I'm going to tap six mana and play Braids.
1: Flash in Rurik Thar. And then I will play Prodigal Sorcerer.
3: I reveal the top card of my library. Ooh. It's a spell. Okay, cool. We all take two.
1: Well, you don't. Yeah, Sam does an incredible job for the show. You probably, if you went back, you would know the, the moment Sam joined the team because we started having the characters jump out of the cards mm-hmm. and really start to move and do stuff. And you could see, I think it was Commander 2019 was the first one we really got to use Sam a lot. And that's all Sam does on the show. So Sam is working for you know, days and days and days, we, we we do a month plus of post-production on each episode, and he's spending, you know, 10, 12, 15 hours sometimes on just the Yuriko animation or mm-hmm. just the Rurik Thar animation, and that's the type of time, uh, the amount of time that stuff like that takes, but it really adds so much to the episodes to just see these cards come to life. So Sam is one of the the big reasons that people comment about our production quality so much. And a lot
2: of people don't realize how hard it is to make these animations because when you take a card like Burak Thar and he has two arms and two heads and he's doing something moving around, we don't have the original art. We don't have the original Photoshop files. We're taking as high resolution as we can. And then you have to paint in all of the parts that don't exist under the art to move stuff around so that when an arm moves up, you don't see a big gap space there. So there's a lot that just goes into even prepping the card to be prepared for animation. And I think big shout out too to the, to the editing team for doing the sound design on top of it, because that's what really gives it the impact. Not only is it the motion of him slamming his arms down, but you hear the thud, the metallic grinding, and the voice and all that stuff on top of it. And that really makes it fully come together as like a little package of goodness.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's a team effort and you know all of us, Jake and Murph are really getting in there a lot too are working with Sam and being like, okay, so here's, what could we do here? How will it work? This is, we're all often explaining to Sam how the card sort of story-wise works. Like, you know, this is a big dumb ogre and he's going to scream big dumb over, ogre stuff. Can we move the mouth? You yeah. know, oh, can... He's got to smash the life totals. What can we do? Originally, we were going to try and have him like move his fist and punch the life totals, but yeah. sometimes the card's on the right side, sometimes it's on the left. The arm itself that's in the picture is very short. It would be hard to <laughs> extend it. So we kind of worked it through and came up with the idea well, what if the axe just flies in from off screen, hits the life total? And I think Jake or Murph was like, oh, yeah, then the, then the, um, the phone itself can crack you know we're hit and so it's really a team effort of everybody coming up with these elements and figuring out how it's going to work so yeah. kudos to everybody big big time kudos uh, a lot of people commented on my steven universe shirt uh, yeah. in the
2: intro mid-roll and outro turns out the day we're recording this it's the actual finale of the show it's been going for a long long time i love it we've done a lot of stuff for uh steven universe on feast of fiction my cooking show so that's why
1: i'll have i actually have three copies of that shirt it's good to <laughs> represent. Yeah. Um, okay, a big question we got from a lot of people is, when will we be doing the fan auditions again? They thought it looked really fun, and they Mm -hmm. wanted to be sitting in Millie and or Matthew's seat, or Jacob's, from a couple years ago. Um, so, yeah, will we be doing the fan auditions again? Yes, absolutely, but we are actually
2: not sure when we're going to do it. Typically, when we do the fan episodes is when we announce the fan audition process, but with everything that's going on in the world, it does not feel appropriate to be saying, hey, come in physically to the studio if you get this audition, so that we can, you know, because, like, we're everything's being scaled back right now. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But we will do them again because it's one of our favorite episodes to do. And it's obviously one of your favorite episodes to watch.
1: We also have to do them because everybody who supported our Kickstarter last year... Well, not everybody. But if you were at a certain tier or above, you get the opportunity to... Audition for the show already, uh, and patrons, you will also get the opportunity to audition for the next fan episode for next year. Again, we're just not sure when that's going to be. When we yeah. know, you'll know. Yes, just always again, pay attention to the podcast. We'll always mention it here, and we will always, always, always mention it on our Patreon as well as Twitter and pretty much all of our social stuff. Speaking of the Kickstarter, um, after seeing the coin, the the night coin we were using as the monarch token uh, in this episode. A lot of Kickstarter backers are probably wondering what the status is of the Kickstarter stuff. So we've got coins and uh, there's T-shirts and yep. there's some other physical things physical things that people who back the Kickstarter are due to get. And we, I'll be honest, like we would have hoped that you would have gotten this stuff already. But yes. again, the COVID crisis shut down a lot of manufacturing all over the world, shut down a lot of shipping all over the world. So distribution, at,
2: all the aspects of how we get this stuff from when it's created to your inbox and your mailbox has been changed and altered or shut down or slowed down.
1: So honestly from our end it's been designed, it's been ordered, it's been paid for, but because of everything going on in the world, it's just taking a long time for everything to actually happen and that's just, you know, uh, you know, it's just the way that things are going in the world right now. Obviously, everybody hopes that things can be back to normal sooner rather than later. And as soon as it is, that stuff will get to you as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, and we do appreciate
2: everyone's understanding in this matter. This is obviously something that's affecting everyone's lives in very different ways. And
1: this is just one of the ways that it's affecting us. So much appreciated. All right. And that can transition us into the last talking point here, which is the COVID crisis. So obviously, COVID-19... a lot of people were making references to it in the comments and stuff. Uh, I did say something
2: in the show too, which is like, if someone, I, I die if someone breathes on me, and someone says, "Oh, very timely." And like, oh, I did yeah. not. This is not on purpose. I'm not trying to make light of anything. That
1: was probably a, that was probably our fault. I didn't really think of that context when we were editing it. Uh, I'll say first of all, the fan episode was recorded in October. Yeah. So Jimmy recorded that interview in October. That's before coronavirus was even a thing at all on anybody's radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people are not just making references to social dis- distancing and stuff in the interview which i think is kind of tongue in cheek people know we we record these things a long time yeah, ago yeah 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 we're not like being like well even with this crisis going on we
2: still got to get this game nights episode out so it's we'll endanger everyone in the process no we recorded it way back in the day
1: yeah so people have just been asking in general how that's affecting us how we're dealing with it how it's going to affect our content so first off that Game Nights was recorded in October. We do have another Game Nights that was recorded about five weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the koria Commander stuff. And so that was recorded before COVID. We're going to be able to work on it. Um, so for that, we're good. We did have to cancel an episode that we were planning to record, though. Next, next week. Next week, yeah. Yeah, so unfortunately, we're not sure what the status of the next episode ha- The next episode after the next episode is going to be because we don't know when we're even going to be able to record it. We can't ask people to get on planes right now. We really don't want to have... We're in a small room. There's two of us in it right now, but for game nights, there's 10 people in here, and that's a bad idea right now. So we're just going to... people are handling cards. They're doing a lot of what you're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're going to wait until it's safe to record that episode. So it very, uh, very probably this whole coronavirus thing is going to delay game nights specifically. At some point in the near future, we may skip an episode, we may just... Try and fit another one in later. We don't know. It's not the only thing being delayed. WotC Wizards of the Coast announced a few
2: days ago at this point now that they are delaying Ikoria, the main set as well as the Commander precons. The release specifically in North America, Latin America, Australia, and New Zealand until and May and Europe right until May fifteenth. The original release date was April twenty fourth, um, and the sets are going to release on time in Asia and as planned on digital. So you're actually still going to be able to play it online on Arena and MTGO. Um, however, because of the current situation, they are waiting, and I believe they're going to uh, move the pre-release events for Ikoria into the release day events as well and sort of combine those two. Yeah, which is like, yeah, in mi- middle of May. But that doesn't change the schedule of the preview cards. That doesn't change the schedule of when they're going to be revealing what's in these decks and all that stuff. So that is actually not going to necessarily affect our content.
1: Yeah, it'll probably affect it somehow, but it's just hard to know. This is unprecedented. This whole situation in the world is unprecedented. First time it's ever happened in anyone's lives, something like this. We're going to link the article from Wizards in the show notes, just if you weren't aware of the delay and how that's working out. Uh, Yeah, again, the previous season and everything and the spoilers are going to work the same because the sets are releasing in certain areas of the world and on digital, so the cards will still be known. Mm -hmm. We had actually been planning for this moment up to two months ago because, you know, When you do content like we do, all of a sudden they say, okay, a Commander set's coming out and a regular set. And we're like, well, what do we usually do for the Commander product? Usually that's in August, and August tends to be our craziest month because of the Commander product. And then if you just put a regular set, boom, on top of that, so we're like, okay... How are we going to do all this? Well, the best way is to start early. And get as much out of the way as possible so that we have the footage and it's ready to be edited so we don't
2: have to rush, 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 and edit at the same time in the weeks leading up to it.
1: So we've actually had the team going and cutting on a lot of the episodes for the Aquaria, both Commander and, and main set stuff, for a while. So we have a backlog of episodes planned um, before all this craziness hit. Then all this stuff happens, and all of a sudden we are scrambling... To try and figure out how do we get our team to be able to work from home so that everybody can stay safe, so you know, we can follow the steps the safe-at-home ordinances mm-hmm. as much as possible. Now, we're a media company, so we are considered an essential business. We can still technically run. However, we want our employees to be safe. We want and them... to feel safe as well. Yeah. And we want you guys to know that we respect, obviously, everyone that
2: works with us, and we don't want to be putting anyone into an uncomfortable situation.
1: There are people that need to work right now, right? Police officers, medical people, whatever. Our podcasts and stuff, people need to work because they need the income, but we aren't essential, so we don't want to, like... No, everyone's still coming into work every day. Yeah. However, setting people up to be able to work remotely is complicated for it's a, a whole bunch of reasons. But We're working with big media files. We're working with a lot of footage as well. Confidential as you need, IP. You need, you, need,
2: you need a lot of processing power to be able to do this stuff as well. So there's a lot of elements. It's not just like, hey, just get on your laptop and you can join the work day. It's like you actually need a lot more than just that.
1: Think about what we were talking about with the animations for game nights just a second ago, how often we are sitting in with Sam in a group and throwing ideas around and figuring out what's... Well, that's just a lot harder to do. I know, obviously, there's Slack and Skype and all these things, but this is not easy because creative disciplines are a lot about nonverbals and a lot about... You the know, energy in the room. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Multiple people in a room looking at something, and be like, "Oh, what if it was like this?" and just throwing out ideas. So, yeah. Anyway. Sometimes you
2: bang your head against the wall for ten hours in the same room, like if like yep. writers' rooms, they need to be all together and they're really contributing to something together as
1: well. So, anyway, everyone is working from home here as much as possible. Jimmy and I are the only ones here. I was the only right now. I was the only one here all day yesterday. It's going to be like that for the foreseeable future. Um, so it's definitely going to affect our content in some way, but. Because of that backlog of episodes that we we're already working on, we think in the in the near future we're going to be able to handle the uh, commander release, and then maybe our set reviews and some other videos are just a little bit slower than they normally would be. Um, but they've delayed it here in the U.S., so maybe that won't be as such of a big deal. We're also not sure exactly how. to... I mean, just to be transparent, how to handle it now that they've delayed it because we've never had a situation where the cards are known, but the cards won't you won't be able to get the get cards them, for yeah. like you know two months. So I don't even know what the strategically best timing is to release videos. Like, everyone's going to be excited right when they see the cards for the first time. But and talking then, about them and want to hear more about them, but... But you won't be able to get them for a long time, so whatever. We'll figure that out. We'll You know, obviously, there's still a lot on our end that we just don't know, so we're, yeah. we're doing our best. Um This is going to be a tougher time for the podcast as well. Uh, magic is not
2: an essential... You don't need to eat a magic card to stay alive every day. Some people might argue uh, otherwise, <laughs> but... <laughs> But, you know, this is something that's going to affect us as a podcast. It's going to affect our sponsors. You know, it's going Already to affect uh, a lot of different things. It's going to be revenue is definitely going to be hit by this because, again, a lot of people are filing for unemployment now. There's also a huge thing that, like, these companies cannot necessarily run in this current environment. And that means that we cannot, you know, they, we, they can't, we can't support... They can't send stuff out to you, and we can't be sending you somewhere if they can't send stuff out to you. There's a lot of different things that are going to go on that are going to affect how we have to deal with it and talk about it. And we just want to be as transparent as possible with everyone out there. And your support, as always, matters now more than ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, to be transparent again, yeah, we're facing lower revenue because you know sponsors are going to pull back makes total sense for them because a lot of them can't even run their businesses right now yeah they're not even open and we know a lot of people out there are you know losing their jobs or getting cut back on the hours of their jobs uh, again because if you're not an essential business you're forced to close down and Mm -hmm. just for safety you know a lot of businesses are doing the responsible thing and not having their uh, employees come into work but this is having obviously an economic impact on everybody and everything and we're no different um so well, not to mention,
2: too, we had that big game that's Kickstarter last year because we wanted to expand the team, hire more people, add more production value in. And that's the sort of thing that we were hoping to carry into the entire year. We and may this... have done
1: that at the worst possible time. We didn't. <laughs> it was like right at the moment, we're like, yes, we got all our stuff and we hired everybody. Yeah. And they're like, hold on, that hold was bad. On.
2: Yeah, hold on. How about no one works? Uh, so that was definitely something that has been a bit of a kick in the butt for us. But it's something that we are, again, we're just going to do our best. And we're going to keep trying to make this content for you guys as as great as possible and as consistently
1: as possible, but we are obviously running into a lot of hurdles. Yeah, but what you said there is absolutely it, right? We're going to do our best, and uh, I like to think Jimmy and I are pretty good at all of this, so I think, like, Command Zone will be fine. There will be content. There will probably be stuff that happens where, you know, we obviously have to acknowledge what's going on in the world and and there may be delays or stuff that's abnormal from our content as far as like release schedule and stuff like that. We hope Mm -hmm. you'll roll with all the punches like we are, but we're going to try and take care of our team and our people and do the best we can. And we really do appreciate um, everybody out there who's still able to support us and and help us out because that is going to, you know, make it so that we can keep going. Yeah, um, rainy weather right now. And that yeah. is definitely our patrons are, are the shining people that
2: support us the most. And again, your patronage is actually literally keeping the lights on around here at this point.
1: All right. So having said all that, let's move in here to talking about our sponsors. Uh, Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. Uh, if you're still able to order cards, uh, you know, that's the, that's the place to go that's the place that is still the place to go we should say that card kingdom is facing um reduced operations because of the covid 19 crisis so you need to check their website for details about because we don't want you to order cards thinking everything's normal and they don't come on time things are changing daily so at the time we record this i don't want to say like what exactly is going on with them but you should check um but if you're watching this maybe four months down the road and everything's fine, then please use cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Uh, just double check. I do want to say that one thing Card Kingdom's doing to sort of stay active in the community during this time period. Yes, this is great. Yeah, is they started a new show new show called Magic is Gathering. Oh. Our good fa- friend Kevin Harland is um, hosting that. And you can watch that. They're streaming it on their Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash cardkingdom. Mm-hmm. You can watch the VODs of the past episodes, but they're planning to do multiple episodes. They don't know exactly how long it's going to go on for, but definitely something cool that uh, they're doing to just, again, stay active in the community, which I think is great. Yeah. So
2: big shout out, as always, to Card Kingdom. They've been very awesome with us and to us, as well as to the people that order from the website. So again, your continued support of the website and, you know, just checking in to see where they're at. And, and when you can buy products, we very much appreciate you using the affiliate link as always um ultra pro of course another amazing sponsor of the show you see their play on every episode the game nights you see their deck boxes sleeves and all the accoutrement that adorns our battlefield um obviously they are a business that has been hit hard by COVID-19 as well we received word that they had to shut down a lot of the distribution centers however that doesn't mean that ultra pro product is still not in stores everything that's there right now if you do happen to purchase any of it off a website or wherever you end up going you're still supporting the show and obviously they need your help as well right now uh, it's it's one of those situations where it's like I wish that again, people need to eat a playmat every day to survive, but it's not <laughs> the case. But it still is something that I think is, you know, has a lot of sentimental value to me, the playmats I have in my house, the ones I use we use here on set and all that stuff. So and not to mention, it is a way to keep your stuff clean. Yep. And that's obviously a very big concern in general in the world right now. So big thanks as always to Ultra Pro.
1: Yep. Um and finally our Patreon, if you go to patreon.com slash <clears throat> that's where you can support us directly. Our patrons right now are really keeping us afloat. Thank you. Thank you so much to everybody out there who is supporting. There are some good perks. You can hang out with Jimmy and I on Discord. We're on there each and every day almost. More now. (laughs) Yeah. We have a little more time now. Um, Game nights you get to watch early. There's some other stuff. I do want to say we've gotten some messages, and we understand that it's rough out there, and people are, again, getting laid off or facing reduced hours and having to tighten their belts. And we don't want our Patreon to be a financial burden on anyone. So do not feel guilty if you're like, hey, I got to do things like pay rent and buy food, and and the Patreon is not something I can support right now. Yeah. Don't even feel like you have to apologize or anything to us for, for, for that. Please. Cancel your Patreon, and hopefully, when the world turns back around, yeah, we look forward to seeing we look you come forward back. to seeing you come back. But I, I don't want anybody to in any way feel that that the Patreon is a burden on them. If you can support, and you're in a financial situation where that's going to be comfortable for you, it would be great if you could. Because again, these are going to be lean times for us. Yep. but I don't. I, you know, obviously. Take care of yourself, take care of your family, make sure that you can pay your essential bills. That's by far the most yeah. important thing. Don't don't in any way feel a burden that you have to even tell us.
2: Yeah, and we know for a fact that those of you that love the show and want to support us, if you need to cancel or lower your monthly limit right now, we we'll, we, we can't wait to see you back on the other side of things because we're going to be here with the same open arms as we always have been. It's not something that we ever want to guilt trip people, people about. The number one most important thing is your safety, like Josh said, and your family's and your loved ones and the ones closest to you. So make sure you prioritize that. Not just now, but always.
1: Yeah, any, and everybody out there who's not a Patreon supporter and never has been, it is still everybody. Stay safe out there. Be smart. Follow all the guidelines. We're doing our best to do so, and uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: and like we said, if you want to audition for Game Nights in the future, we will be doing that. You have to be a patron of the show, but we're not obviously going to be doing that right now because of uh, everything we just talked about.
1: Yeah, you'll be able to join the Patreon at that point to audition, and yeah. we're going to do that at a time when the economy hopefully is in a better place because we want more people to be able feeling like they can do it we don't want it to be like boy i really can't afford this but i'd really like to do it listen we're just going to try and do the best we can as we said so and the reason that we do these episodes the reason we have a patreon is because we really value the contribution of
2: fans and what you guys have to say as well so that's why it's there it's going to be still be there in the future and we thank everyone that is a current patron or is going to return as one as well
1: all right, everybody, that's uh, that's going to do it for today. We've got a bunch of content coming up, though, because there are, like we said, preview cards coming for mm-hmm. Akoria, the main set, the Commander products. We've got deck reveals. We've got deck upgrade guides. We've got a ton coming. You should probably hit the subscribe button on YouTube so you get the no- uh, hit the notification bell, yeah. too, so that you're... You're told when all the new content is coming out because there's going to be a lot of it in the coming weeks um, because, again, we've got that stuff all backlogged. It's already done, so we're just going to release it.
2: Yeah, and even if you can't get the physical cards, that doesn't mean you can't brew with the digital ones online and talk to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. We're still here for you guys. We're not going anywhere. We're just uh, dealing with this like everyone else is out there, so we appreciate the support as always.
1: All right, everybody. Stay safe out there. And we will see you next time. Peace.
4: For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at J.F. Wong and at Josh Lee Quai. See you later, alligator.
3: Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>